current series is called Daily Reminders, and by now, if you've been here over the last few weeks, you should know the key verse for this series. The key verse is 1 Timothy 4, verse 7, which says what? Train yourself for godliness. Train yourself for godliness. So what I've been saying Maybe you're tired of me saying this every week, but what I've been saying is that we need to train for godliness like an athlete trains. You know, when we become followers of Christ, when we become Christians, we're not just to stay as we are. A change is to take place throughout our lives, a a progressive uh, transformation Uh, We want to become more like Christ. We want to become godly. In other words, living the way that God tells us how to live in his word. We want to be spiritually mature. So when we put our faith in Christ, uh, that's not the end of the story. That's really just uh, the beginning of uh, what God is doing in us and through us. And so we want to reach or get as close as possible to that goal of, of godliness or Christ-likeness, spiritual maturity. So we're to train for this like an athlete trains. We know that an athlete, a serious athlete, has uh, daily routines. You know, they go to the gym, they do all of that, they train uh, for the competition, the event, the game, so they're at their their best. So Christians, we need daily routines that will lead us to, to godliness. And so far, we've considered three spiritual disciplines. We've considered Bible intake, which includes reading the Bible, hearing the Bible, studying the Bible, meditating upon the Bible, memorizing the Bible, uh, studying the Bible. I think I got all six. Uh, Also, uh, prayer, of course. Last week, it was worship. Uh, We're not going to, as I said before, get to all of the spiritual disciplines, or we could perhaps be in this series for half the year. Probably we're going to wrap it up next Sunday. Uh, But we've considered these three spiritual disciplines and how they are meant to to lead us toward godliness. As I said last week, it was was worship. We saw that worship is is focusing on God and responding to God. Uh, It should be something that involves both our, our head and our heart. By the way, if you're wondering, I did get Marsha flowers for Valentine's Day, not merely out of duty, but out of love. Uh, Mentioned that last week in an illustration. Uh, And also worship, and this is where it gets into a spiritual discipline, it's both both, uh, public like it is here today, but also private. So worship isn't something that just is supposed to occur on a Sunday in a church service, but every day as we focus on God and respond to him in different ways, such as praise and thanksgiving and and trust. So those are three spiritual disciplines. 
So our, our daily routines really do impact our spiritual growth. So that means that these, these spiritual disciplines really need to become a, a part of our lives, a daily part, a regular part of our lives. So daily, daily reminders. How, uh, what, do you, what do you need to do? I'll ask you this question. What do you need to do to make sure you're routinely doing the spiritual disciplines? You know, I talked in the first week about how I have uh, the Routines app, and actually have a notification that tells me each day to, to read the Bible, to pray. Uh, maybe you need to do something like that. Maybe you need to write a, a note somewhere to remind you, or maybe you just need to get into the, the routine so that you're reminded each day to, to spend time doing the spiritual disciplines, like Bible intake, prayer, and worship. Now today... I want to talk about two spiritual disciplines that perhaps are, are overlooked, perhaps maybe are, are, are thought as maybe not very important, but they go along very well with the other spiritual disciplines. And these two spiritual disciplines are silence and solitude. Uh, I probably don't need to uh, define these, but uh, silence is, is reducing the noise. Maybe I should have put eliminating the noise as much as possible. So obviously, we know what silence is. You know, that's silence from us. You know, we stop talking. Uh, and that would, this includes our online talking as well. Silence from us and trying to silence, be in a place where there's silence around us. And then solitude, which is taking time to be alone. Silence and solitude. Now, of course, for these two things to be spiritual disciplines, they must be done for, for spiritual disciplines. We're not just talking about just sitting in our most comfortable chair at home and just sitting there and looking out the window and really not thinking about anything. Uh, these are to be done for, for spiritual pur uh, purposes, although maybe for healthy purposes, you might need to do that once in a while. But... Uh, you know, you could kill two birds with one stone by doing that and focusing on spiritual things. Now, depending on your personality, silence and solitude either sound very appealing to you or, or not very appealing at all. You know, we're all, we're all different. You know, I, I tend to be uh, the person who, who enjoys silence and solitude, but not everyone is like me, and that's a good thing. So maybe you're on the other uh, side of the equation where, you know, it's a struggle to remain silent or by yourself. So we're all, we're all different. So some of us maybe will, will struggle in different ways with this. I will say, though, that we shouldn't be on either extreme, where if, if we always want to be quiet and alone, that, that's a problem. And on the other hand, if we never want to be quiet and alone, that's also a problem. So, obviously, Scripture tells us there are, there are times to talk. You know, the Bible talks about when we gather together, we're to encourage one another. So, uh, often that's done by talking. We need to speak. Uh, you know, sharing about what God has done for us, uh, sharing the gospel. You know, you need to talk. So, there's a time to talk, but also there's a time to, to listen. There's a time to be, be quiet. So 
Both are, are needed. So silence and solitude really are complementary disciplines to, to fellowship. And when I talk about fellowship, I don't mean just, you know, what we often think of when we heard the, hear the word fellowship, and that is, is eating. We call those lunches once a month, fellowship lunches. And, and the intention is not just to chit-chat about the weather and sports or whatever we tend to talk about, uh, but also talk about, you know, the Lord or encourage one another. And, and, and that's, that's really what fellowship is about, uh, you know, sharing what is, is common among us as followers of Christ. Uh, so there are times, of course, when we're supposed to be together, and that is a good thing, but there are other times when we're apart, and there are times when we should get alone and, and be quiet and use that as a time to, to grow in godliness. Now, I do know that many Christians call their, their, their time, for people who are in a habit of doing this, their time of, of uh, doing the spiritual disciplines, they call this their, their quiet time. Anyone use that term, quiet time? I've heard that by some of you here. Quiet time. So, so that, uh, that uh, implies that, you know, it's meant to be a time of quietness, silence. Uh, whoever came up with that term first, that's I'm sure what their thinking was. Time where they got alone and, and were quiet and, and read their Bible, prayed. You spend time to think, meditate. So, so silence and solitude go very well with many of the other spiritual disciplines as, as, as we uh, have opportunity to be alone and, and quiet. Uh, we, we take in God's word. Uh, we meditate upon it. We, we pray. And uh, we'll talk more about what we can do in, as we go through uh, what, what this is all about or, or why. Because I'm sure many of you are thinking, well, this doesn't seem like uh, it's... Um, very important, maybe seems like a waste of time uh, just to be silent and still and alone. So how can silence and solitude help us reach our goal of godliness? So let me share with you five ways that, that silence and, and solitude can do that. So the first is that silence and solitude allow us to follow the example of Jesus. So we were in Matthew chapter just a moment ago. As I said, silence and solitude might seem like a, a waste of time. You know, shouldn't, you might be thinking, shouldn't I be doing more productive things? There are lots of things to do, maybe even some spiritual things or ministry things, things to do. So isn't it, isn't it unproductive, wasteful to spend my time just alone and, and quiet? And we might have that thought. But we could think about Jesus no one was more capable of doing good than he was. But he often spent time in, in solitude and silence. And, and we see that in Matthew chapter 14. And it, perhaps it's the part of the, the story that we kind of skip over or we think is not very important. And obviously the highlight of this story is when Jesus walks on water and what that says about who he is. The high point is, you know, truly you are the Son of God in verse 33. That was the point of the story, of course. But there's some parts in that story that, that do speak about silence and solitude. 
So in Matthew chapter 14, we read of a time when, when Jesus wanted to be alone. And this isn't the only time in the Gospels that we, that we read about Jesus wanting to be alone, by himself. So going to verse 22. Verse 22, notice two things Jesus did in this verse. First, he made the disciples get into the boat without him. And that word made is a very strong word. It wasn't that he just, you know, suggested that they might want to take a, a boat ride that night without him. He made them get in the boat and go and leave him behind. And then the second thing he did was he dismissed the crowd. And the previous story talks about how Jesus feeds the 5,000. So there was a, a great crowd of people who had been fed, who were, who were following him. And he, he dismisses that crowd. He says, go home. Which might seem to us like a wasted opportunity, but that's what he did. Now, why did Jesus want to be alone? We find the answer in verse 23. He went up on the mountain by himself to do what? To pray. So again, this, this, this discipline or these disciplines of silence and solitude go with many of the other disciplines such as prayer. This would be the most common one with Jesus that he does while he is by himself. He prays. And Matthew adds at the end of the verse, when evening came, he was there alone. So he had just been with, with thousands of people and he had done so much good, but then he dismisses that crowd because he wants to be alone. He's there alone on that mountain praying. So obviously to him, this was very important. To make the disciples leave him, to dismiss the crowds, it was important for him to be alone and to pray. So if Jesus wanted to be alone, that tells us that it's okay for us to be alone Sometimes. Sometimes we do need to be alone. And I know that many times there are people wanting to spend time with us, wanting our help, just like with Jesus. But Jesus wasn't controlled by the need to feel wanted. He sometimes felt that he needed to be alone. And so that's exactly what he does here makes the disciples get into the boat without him, and he dismisses the crowd of people. So if we want to be like Jesus, if we want to follow his example, sometimes we do need to be alone in a quiet place. The reason for Jesus wanting to be alone on this occasion, to pray, uh, leads us to a second reason for silence and solitude, and I'm sure you've already know what I'm going to say, but number two, silence and solitude minimize distractions in prayer. Going to Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it says, "In rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, not told the exact time, I don't know, 5 a.m. perhaps, Jesus departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. A desolate place is a place really where no one 
is. So he, he went to this place because he knew he would be alone. It would be quiet in that place. And really, it was a struggle for Jesus to have time alone because people didn't want him to be alone. We see that in Mark chapter 1. Uh, a couple of verses earlier, verse 33, uh, earlier, the whole city was gathering together at the door, the door of the place where Jesus was. They were all gathering at the door. Jesus was healing people. Uh, they didn't want him to be alone. And verses 36 and 37 say, And Simon and those who were with him searched for Jesus, and they found him. They found him when he was out in this desolate place. And they said to him, Everyone is looking for you. So people didn't want Jesus to be alone. It was a struggle for Jesus to, to have time alone. But at some points in his life, he made this a priority. I don't know how often he did this, but we see it enough times in the Gospels that makes me think that he, he regularly did this sort of thing. Even though he could do much good, more good than you and I can do, even though people wanted to be with him all the time, there were times when he had to go out into this desolate place and there, we're told, he prayed. So we have our own challenges when it comes to practicing silence and solitude, having a, a quiet time, if you want to call it that, uh, you know, for those of us who have kids, that's a great challenge to have quiet, quiet time in, in our house. Kids are noisy. Uh, some of us, you know, in today's world, we're maybe addicted to noise. You know, you have to have the TV on. When you get in the car, you have to turn the radio on. Uh, you go for a walk, you have to listen to something uh, while you're walking. You might have your phone and the 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 dings are going off from the notifications. And so we're in many ways addicted to noise today. Uh, and so that can be a struggle in, in, in just disciplining ourselves to, to practice these times of uh, times when there's no distractions or fewer distractions. Now, I'm sure that Jesus, because of who he is, we're, we're told, truly, you are the Son of God, in this, in this uh, passage of going back to Mark 14, uh, I'm sure that he could or was able to concentrate on prayer better than any one of us. I don't doubt that. But even he believed it was important to remove distractions when praying. And I'm sure that's why he went to a desolate place, to, to remove himself from the distractions. And the distractions were mainly the distractions of people who, who wanted uh, to be with him. And, and it's important for people to spend time with Jesus, of course, but there are also times when it was important for him to be alone by himself to pray because he knew that he would be free from distractions. So, so silence and solitude minimize distractions in prayer. Third, silence and solitude help us to learn to control the tongue. James 1.26 says, If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. So we can think that we're, 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 a, we're a good Christian, very godly, very Christ-like, but if we don't have control of our tongues, in other words, what we say, then really 
our religion, what we do is, is really worthless, James writes. It's, it's in vain, just like the worship we talked about last Sunday. If, our, if we worship the Lord with our lips, but our heart is far from God, then we worship in vain. The worship is worthless. It's a waste of time. And all of what we do for, for God and others uh, really can be undone by what we say. If we don't have control of our speech. So this is necessary if we're to reach the goal of, of godliness. It's, it's vital to being Christ-like uh, to control our tongue. In other words, to know when we should speak and know when we should be quiet. And that impl- uh, also applies to our online speaking, you know, our comments, our chatting uh, on social media and all of that. Uh, so it's not just what we speak with our mouth, but, you know, with, with our fingers as we type on the keyboard or on the phone. Ecclesiastes says that there's a time to keep silence and a time to speak. So as I said, a, a lot of good can be undone by a careless, just a careless word or two. So silence is kind of like fasting from words. Now, fasting is one of the spiritual disciplines, which goes along with prayer. We haven't really talked about it too much. We did in our Sunday school class a few weeks ago. But fasting from words. You know, when you fast, I don't know how many have, have done this. I know there was a challenge with our men's small group to, to try a fast, because uh, we're talking about that tonight, our chapter in the book Habits of Grace, uh, fasting. Uh, but when you fast, you might realize that you don't really need to eat all of the food that you normally eat. You know, maybe you eat a little bit more than, than you need to. And the same can be true of our words. You know, how many words, how many of our words would be better left unsaid? You know, we get into a lot of trouble, cause a lot of damage by uh, not thinking before we speak, carelessly speaking. Uh, and so if we practice these times of, of silence, perhaps that will train us uh, to show us that we don't always have to talk. Sometimes it's best to be quiet. Time to speak. There is a time to speak, but also a time to be silent. So silence and solitude can help us, I believe, to control the tongue. Fourth, silence and solitude express worship to God. So worship doesn't always require words or sounds or actions. Donald Whitney says, Sometimes worship consists of a God-focused stillness and hush. There's that verse in Habakkuk 2.20 that says, But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. Now we might think the verse is going to say, Let all the earth praise him, give thanks to him, sing to him. But here it says, let all the earth keep silence before him. And so sometimes in worship, it's appropriate to be silent. Just focus on God. You know, silence can be awkward. I'm sure we're all aware of this. You know, if you've done any public speaking, you know, if you can't think what you're going to say, 
searching for that word. Uh, you know, two seconds can seem like 20 seconds. If I were to just stop talking here for 10 seconds, it probably would get quite awkward, and uh, you'd be fidgeting and, and wondering what was going on. Uh, you know, if you're in a car with someone, a friend maybe, and there's a long period of silence, and neither of you know what to say, that can feel very, very awkward, and you're, you feel that pressure to come up with something to say. Some of us are good at that. The ones of us who, who, don't, who, who uh, lean to the other side uh, of where I am, where, where it's no trouble to say, have something to say. Some of us do struggle with that small talk type uh, conversation. And so it can be, the silence can be awkward. But as I was thinking about that, I was thinking that you know that you're comfortable with someone when silence isn't awkward. You know, you can just sit there and not say anything for a long period of time, and you know that you're comfortable with that person because it's not awkward. I know that with Marsha and I, if we're driving the car, we can, we can not talk for, for a long period of time, and, you know, none of us feel awkward about that. And so, so God, he invites us into his presence and it's not to be an awkward thing. We're to know that God loves us. He is our Father, and he, he invites us into his presence. And sometimes it's best in those moments just to remain silent, to reflect on, on God, to reflect on, we've been reading his word, to reflect on it, to think upon it, meditate upon it, just remain silent for a while. Uh, to worship the Lord in that moment. And then finally, silence and solitude express faith in God. Just go to one of the Psalms, Psalm 62. And so this is more of a, a practical sermon in nature, uh, but there are times, I believe, when, when we just need to be silent to, to express worship in God and also trust or faith in God. Psalm 62, if I didn't give you the number of the psalm. Psalm 62, verses 1 and 2. For God alone, my soul waits in what? In silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. Verses 5 and 6. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I will not be shaken. And so twice, the psalmist talks about the soul being silent or the person being silent. You know, sometimes the psalmists do talk about pouring out our, our heart to the Lord and even sometimes our, our complaints or our disappointments, and that is appropriate. But on other times, it's more appropriate just to remain silent. Maybe after you've poured out your heart to the Lord and shared with him all of your struggles, all of your disappointments, uh, maybe after that would be a good time for then silence, just expressing your trust, your faith in God. Uh, one other verse, Isaiah 30, verse 15. 
You might know this verse. Psalm, or sorry, Isaiah 30, verse. I think I have the wrong verse. No, I think I have the right one. Sorry. I didn't look to the end. For thus said the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest you shall be saved. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. So that's the part of the verse. It says at the end, but you were unwilling. Uh, but, but notice that part, in quietness and in trust shall be your strength. And really here in that verse, quietness is synonymous with trust. To be quiet here is to express or show trust in God. So when we're, we're anxious, we tend, some of us, to talk a lot, maybe complain, but sometimes we just need to be quiet and in that quietness express our trust, our faith in God. There are many other reasons, and some of these I got from the book uh, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life by Donald Whitney. So these aren't original with me. Uh, and he, he lists several others, but these were my five favorite. And I pass them on to you. But let me close with just a few suggestions. As I said, this is more of a, a practical type, practical type message. Uh, dealing with, you know, the training ourselves for for godliness. And, and this is something I'm sure we haven't heard much about. Maybe this is the first sermon you ever heard about regarding silence and solitude. But we see it over and over again in Scripture. We only, I only shared with you a few, other, uh, few, a few of the verses that speak of this. I'm sure you can think of a few others. But just a few suggestions if, if you think this is a real struggle for me. Mainly in you know, having the time to devote to you know, a quiet time, if you want to call it that, a time of, of, of getting alone with God and, and being silent. These are, you know, some of these are very obvious. You know, silent your phone. You know, if you hear that ding while you're reading your Bible, uh, there's the temptation to see what that's all about. Uh, or maybe you need to put your phone in another room if you don't need it for uh, your time with God. Now, here's one, and you might think this is very unspiritual, but set a timer for five or ten minutes. You might even want to do this with prayer. If you struggle to spend any amount of time with God in prayer, set a timer for five minutes and, and devote that five minutes to prayer. You know, if you were having a conversation with someone else and you struggled to talk with them and you had a timer and for five minutes, you know, that might be a little weird. But God knows that we struggle sometimes, some of us, to, to spend that time in prayer or in silence. And so I don't believe he's bothered by that. And so if that would help us, I believe that would be good. You know, set a timer for five minutes. Increase it by a minute every so often. And, and uh, train yourself. You know, that's what a, an athlete does. They don't start off doing their personal best the first day they start training. You know, they, they build up uh, eventually, you know. Increase the, increase the, uh, the amount of weight they're lifting, and so on. And so, you know, maybe that that would help for you. Set a timer, whether it's prayer, whether it's to to uh, be silent and reflect upon God's word and and, and worship Him in that silence. Uh, that's a suggestion. 
Another one, obvious, go for a walk, but uh, don't listen to anything. Or maybe the first half of the walk, listen to God's word. Uh, an audio Bible. And then the next half, just reflect on that. Be silent. Uh, be, you know, where I am, we could just walk by the ocean and, and take in the, uh, the greatness of, uh, the impressiveness of nature and, and think about God, our creator, and, you know, be silent in worship. Uh, when you're driving in your car, turn off the radio. You know, you don't have to always listen to the radio. Sometimes it would be good to just remain silent and, and reflect on, on God, reflect on maybe something you read in his word earlier. As I said, combine silence and solitude with other spiritual disciplines. Uh, the obvious ones are, I already mentioned them, uh, Bible reading, listening to the Bible, uh, meditating upon it, prayer, worship. Uh, do this don't just be in a rush uh, or have lots of noise going on, but, but spend time quietly alone with God, if at all possible. And, and also, and this is one I've used with the others, uh, schedule it or, or plan it. You know, it's been said if you fail to plan, you are planning to fail. Uh, so if you don't really schedule it, probably there will never be a time that will pop up. I shouldn't say never, but it's less likely that it will pop up throughout your day than it would be if you had a time you knew would probably work out to spend this time with God. So, so plan, plan, schedule the time. Some of these things I, I'm sure you've, you've, you've heard before or you, know, you could have come up with this on your own, but... You know, all of these disciplines work together, and I think we need to be reminded of some of these things that, that we know we, we should be doing. And, and the goal is not to make you feel guilty if you're struggling to do some of these things in your life, but the goal is to, to show you that we have a, a goal of godliness, Christ-likeness, and, and, and we should want to. It's not that I should just guilt you into doing it, but if we have the Spirit of God within us, we should want to progress more and more toward godliness and Christ-likeness. And Christ, we saw, spent time alone, spent time away from others in a quiet place where he could pray. I'm sure he reflected on Scripture and all of that and worshipped. Uh, though he is God, you know, there is that dynamic with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So, This is our goal, the goal of Christ-likeness. If God is going to work through us, he needs to first work in us. And he works in us through his word and through times of, of uh, prayer and, and worship and just spending time in silence and solitude. So I'd encourage you to, to, to make that more of a priority in your life. Maybe you've thought this isn't too important, but if you really reflect on what Scripture says, many, many times it says that we need to uh, be in quietness. We need to spend time alone with God. And we have that example of, of Jesus. So reasons for silence and solitude. It might seem like a waste of time. It might think, seem more productive to do other things. But Scripture tells us that there are times when we just need to be alone and quiet with God.